Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. This is your Pastor George, and I'm going to start off by apologizing because yesterday, for whatever reason, our sermon did not get recorded. I'm not sure why, and I, I know that there's listeners out there that want to follow along, and so I apologize, but I'm going to go ahead and redo it. I'm sitting here on my back porch at home. Beautiful, beautiful sunny day. So you're liable to hear my dogs bark or them chasing the cat or something going on. Please just ignore it. Um, And we're going to go through the message that we delivered on Sunday. We're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's entitled The Antichrist. And we're going to hear words in this message like perdition. That's a Christian theology. It's a state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful, unrepentant person passes after death. Uh, Perdition's kind of a nice way of saying hell. And I understand. We are all interested in who this Antichrist is going to be and when he will show up. Unfortunately, or maybe I should say luckily, I don't think we'll be around to see who this person is. I'll explain my feelings on that a little later. When we look at the study of this subject, the Antichrist, in our Bibles, it can be a little overwhelming because we hear all those words like man of sin, apostasy, lawlessness, condemned, falling away, the great falling away, and the son of perdition. As Christians, we have to see and understand all of this. But don't forget that Jesus said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. These things have to happen, and they will happen, all in their good time. But we know the Lord God, our Father, will take care of us. Again, this is a short chapter, only 17 verses, but don't let that fool you. We have a lot to look at here. We will be looking at other scriptures to clarify to our understanding. There are concerning things, but we are all called to see the signs of the times. We need to know our Bibles, understand the time and history in which we live, and pay attention to those signs and look up and expect to see our redemption drawing near. You know, I've got to say, we are living in probably the most exciting times of all the Old and New Testament, of the entire Word of God. We are living in the most exciting times, to see potentially the rapture of the church. That's going to be the greatest thing that has ever happened, and it could happen in our lives. So let's look at Luke twenty-one thirty-one. It says, So you also, when you see these signs happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. So let's start Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brother concerning, now brethren concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken of mind or troubled, either by spirit or by letter or by word, as if it were from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Now, I'm going to have to explain that to you a little bit so that you understand what's really happening. Somebody had used the Apostle Paul's name, stolen identity, and sent a letter to the Thessalonian church and had told them that they had missed the great rapture. 
and that they are now living in the times of tribulation. And it's not hard to imagine that, knowing the things that they are going through. We'll talk about that in just a second. So they had a couple of questions for Paul. Are we in the great tribulation, tribulation, or did we miss the rapture? That's why he addresses these things in the first two scriptures. Verse 1, he said, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, he's referring to the second coming. In verse 1, he also said, our gathering together with him, he's referring to the rapture. That's so awesome. And verse 2, he said, and not to be soon shaken of mind, because these things are troublesome, but we don't need to be worried. We have to trust our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't know how bad the persecution was for them, we know that Nero, Emperor Nero, was killing Christians, and maybe it was, was some from their own congregation. We don't know. We know that Nero was, was doing some horrible things. Like it, We can look into historical records and find out that Nero was actually dipping uh, live human beings in, in tar and then lighting them on fire in his courtyard as monuments to his gods. What a horrible thing to do. A horrible way to die. So they were going through some terrible tribulation. And we can understand why they were thinking. Did we miss it? Are we in the great tribulation? So Paul gives them two things that must happen before this great tribulation. Listen to verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. For the day will not come unless the condemned comes first. And the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition, the son of perdition. Now, I want to look at a few different translations. You guys, if you've been listening to me for a while, you realize that I am a New King James kind of guy. 90% of all my scripture I take from the New King James Virgin. But I got to say, in this particular case, I believe they missed it. They missed the translation, and it made it hard for us to understand. So I'm going to give you this same Verse 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, in several other uh, translations so that you and I can get some understanding of this. So let's look at this verse 3 again in the NIV. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Okay, that brings a little more information. The great rebellion occurs. So let's look at this now. Same scripture, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, in the message. Before the day comes, a couple of things will have to happen. First, the apostasy. Second, the debut of the Antichrist, a partner in crime with Satan. Okay, that even makes it a little more clear. Now let's look at the King James Version, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Okay, the falling away is what he's calling out. He's talking about Christians and falling away from their faith. We know the Antichrist is the son of perdition, the son of hell. This word apostasy that we saw 
in uh, the Message Bible is an act of refusing or continuing to follow or obey or to recognize your religious faith. It's an abandonment, and it actually could be called a defection, a defection from your faith. This has to come first, the falling away, the the King James Version tells us. This is very controversial. That's why I give it to you in a few different Bible translations. I believe this all takes place in the Great Tribulation, and we have been raptured away with Christ. But what is this saying? I also believe you can't fall out of a chair unless you're sitting in the chair. Someone would say these who denounce their faith in Jesus never really had it. Well, maybe. It could be. The Bible tells us that no man can be snatched out of God's hand. Okay, let's look at that scripture. John ten twenty eight. This is Jesus speaking. And I gave them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I get that. No man can snatch me out of God's hand. But what about me? Can I renounce my faith in Christ Jesus and throw my salvation away? Well, I believe the answer is yes, of course we can, because we all have the right to choose, the ability to make a choice, to make a decision. But we can argue that what was my faith really worth if I can renounce it? We have to understand where these people, these people in the first century in this Thessalonian church, where they were at. They thought they were in the end times. They thought they had missed the rapture. We see all the things that have been, they see all the things that we have been protected from seeing. Actually, I need to read that over because that's not what this this statement is talking about. We have to understand where these people are at. We're talking about the end times. Like the church has been raptured away and now the Christians, the ones who call themselves Christians, who maybe renounced their faith or, or thought they were saved but weren't really saved, had never committed their heart to Jesus Christ. This is the things they're feeling. They miss the rapture. They see all the things that we've that have, we have been protected from seeing because we're raptured and we're in heaven with Jesus. Because of that rapture, we don't see these things. Before we judge them, we have to understand what they are living through and God never intended us or them to live through, but they are. I believe they're hurt, they're angry at God and they rebel against God and all he stands for. Look at this scripture. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord. This could be the rapture, the second coming. It could be the day you expect accepted Jesus in your heart, the day of the Lord. It could mean many things. There's another way to look at this great falling away. What if it's not just the church, but the world rejecting rejecting the gospel message of Jesus Christ? People being 
tired of Christians saying there's only one way to heaven through Jesus Christ. People not wanting to turn away from their sin, believing all roads lead to heaven, no matter who they love or what they do. We don't know for sure. That makes this even more concerning because if we do not have the Holy Word of God in our hearts, we will be deceived ourselves. And Jesus said this plainly. I want you to look at Matthew 24, 9 through 11. Jesus was speaking. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Verse 11, then many false prophets will raise up and deceive many. This scripture could very well be prior to the great tribulation. I almost see it happening now. But personally, I believe he's referring to times of tribulation. But today there are false prophets. That's why we... We must know our Bibles. First Timothy four one says, Now the Spirit expressively says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Wow. Okay. I think there he's Timothy's talking specifically about our time. And if we are not in our Bibles, memorizing scriptures, filling our hearts full of God's word, we can easily be deceived. It can start with the smallest of compromise of our faith. Everything that we watch on TV, all the commercials, they're all getting us to uh, desensitize us to the gay style living or the lesbian style of living. Uh, the LGBTQ, all this stuff, we're, we're being desensitized to it, that it's, it's okay, it's love. And, and I'm not saying that they do not love each other. I'm just saying it goes against the Word of God, and it's not right. But we're all being desensitized, and we have to be very careful and have in our hearts what we know is true, what we know is God, so that we won't be desensitized or even deceived. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Oh man, do we see that happening. Verse 4, And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and aside and be turned aside to fables. He just said a minute ago, many will be offended, many will betray one another. They'll depart from their faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits when they have not endured when they will not endure sound doctrine, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. This is so happening now. That's why when, you know, when I studied this Second Thessalonians chapter, and I, I listened to a lot of different uh, broadcasts of people preaching this particular chapter, um, chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, and most of them go to the book of Daniel, 
where Daniel, and I believe it's in uh, chapter 7, um, he has that dream, and he dreams of the four beasts that come up, and, and the last beast had ten heads, and, and if we look to Revelation, we can get that explained to us, that those ten heads are ten nations that come together and uh, unifying, and out of the center of that comes the Antichrist. Um, you know, I thought, well, that's so interesting, and we need to know all that stuff, and we do, and we, we need to study it. But this particular time, addressing this particular scripture, I wanted to bring it more to today. We know the rapture is coming. We know the second coming of Christ is on the way. But we need to be able to live today in today's world and hold on to our faith. So that's the direction I'm going with this message today. So let's get back to this Antichrist guy. 2 Thessalonians verse 4 who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Well, that scripture tells us that there will be a temple rebuilt. It hasn't happened yet. There hasn't been a temple in Jerusalem, this Jewish temple of God, since 71 A.D., when it was destroyed. This man, the Antichrist, may very well be a Jewish man to be sitting in that temple. The process of sacrificing animals are going to be reinstated at that time, when that happens, when that temple is built. And it could be very well in our lifetime. We, we don't know. Verse 5. Do you remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? The Apostle Paul was saying this to the Thessalonian church. And I think that's absolutely an amazing statement. When you consider that Paul was only with them, you find that in Acts chapter 2, he was only with them for three weeks when he planted the church. So it had to have been a real crash course. Verse 6, And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. So there's something that is restraining this Antichrist. There is someone restraining it. Who is it? Does anyone have any idea of who's restraining him? Well, I do. You and me, the Holy Spirit who resides within us. When we are raptured away, the Holy Spirit leaves with us, and the Antichrist is released to do his work. I want to get into that a little bit more, but let's look at verse 7. For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, if you're reading your Bibles with me as we go through this, we're looking at the New King James Version, and it says, For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he, that's capital H, that's referring to God. That's referring to the Holy Spirit. We know that God is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And He is taken out of the way. This is so very interesting. Please pay attention. He, the Holy Spirit, will do so through the Jesus followers. He's restraining the world with the Jesus followers, you and me. But the rapture of Jesus' followers, will be removed from the earth 
and the earthly influence of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us will be greatly diminished. While the Holy Spirit will still be on the earth, His unique sin-restraining ministry through saved believers, you and me, will be gone. He will no longer convict the world of sin through believers. Therefore, lawlessness will reach an unprecedented manifestation. And that's the truth. It will. We are restraining the Antichrist from doing his deeds today. So is the Antichrist on the, on the earth today already? Has he been born? We don't know. I think probably he has. Uh, but honestly, we don't know. All we can know is looking at the signs of the times as we see it. It's like when the fall comes, you see the leaves turning, you know that winter's on its way. That's kind of where we're at. Verse 8, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy the brightness of his coming. Destroy with the brightness of his coming. That is a great scripture. We don't have to worry. That's the battle of Armageddon. That's when Jesus comes in the second coming on a great white horse, and he actually comes to the earth with all the believers and all the angels following him. It's going to be an amazing time. Verse 9, Then the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all his powers, signs, and lying wonders. Oh, believe me, there's going to be so many wonders, and that's why people who are left behind on the rapture, who were, you know, they, they believed, but they never accepted, um, and now they have opportunity during this time to accept Jesus Christ, their last shot, but they see all these signs and wonders that this lawless one is doing, and they're thinking, surely this must be God, and they throw away all that we've been taught, all that we know. And with all, verse 10, with all unrighteousness and deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. See, you got to understand, God wants all to be saved. He would prefer that no one. Hell wasn't even designed for you and me. It was designed for, for Satan, uh, Lucifer, and all his follower angels. That's who it was for. But now if we choose to follow him, we get to go to the same place that he goes. It's a very sad scripture. They had a chance to receive, and they chose not to. Look at verse 11. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they might that they should believe the lie. What is God saying here? Well, let's look at verse 12. That they might may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in righteousness. Let me explain it the best way I can. In other words, he's letting them go. He's letting the people go because they chose the unrighteousness of the time. They had heard the truth, they knew the truth, but they chose to believe in the lawless one. Hmm... Now in verse 13, the Apostle Paul starts changing things up. He's getting ready to finish this, this portion. And he says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, loved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. 
we were all chose. We were all chose. That God chose us to be Christians. He's chose the world, but so many people has chose not to believe. Verse 14, to which he called you by our gospel for obtaining the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying he's, he, he's called Christian believers by hearing the gospel preached. He's, by hearing the gospel, they've come to the knowledge of the love of Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. We've got to stand fast and hold true to everything that we've been taught. He said, whether by word or by epistle, we've got to hold fast. Do not let anyone deceive you by any means, like the traditions of men. I want to show you something in Mark. This was Jesus and the Pharisees. Mark 7, verses 5, we're going to go 5 through 8. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples walk according to not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands. Oh my God, they were eating without washing their hands. And Jesus said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in veil they worship me, teaching as doctrines, commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, and the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. Let me explain a little bit what's being said here. They had these incredible traditions, the Pharisees did. I mean, they made a ceremony out of washing the hands and dipping their hands in the water. And it was just a ceremony for people to see uh, just how righteous and holy they were. And then they would not only do that, they would begin to wash all the utensils and the, and the cups and everything that was being used in the ceremony. And they made this, this big deal. And if you don't do that, you're not righteous. It was, it was traditions of men. They were doing it for others to see who they were, I guess. And Jesus is saying, hey, I would rather you serve me honestly with your heart than with traditions of men that you're doing in front of people. Let's go back to Thessalonians now, verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God the Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Verse 17, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work, every word and work. Can I read that again? Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. The Bible actually has a lot to say about work. In fact, the next chapter, the Apostle Paul says, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. We'll see that in chapter 3. He has a lot to say because he, he was working. He was in a working evangelist. Everywhere he went, he was working so the church didn't have to to pay him. Although he's saying it's not wrong to pay an evangelist, but he was he knew this was a, a young church and they didn't really have anything. They were getting started. There are some Christians in the Thessalonian church who had kind of took it to the other extreme. They'd given up 
hey, if Jesus is coming, then I'm not going to work. I'm going to get me a remote, and I'm going to get me some, you know, some Twinkies or Ho-Hos, and I'm just going to stay at home. I'm not going to go out there and risk being persecuted uh, when you say Jesus is coming. And the Apostle Paul was addressing that. He's going to address that in chapter 3. We need to work as though we were working for God himself, as though he were our employer, being obedient, being honest, being on-time people. Christians should be the first choice to fill a position because of our attitude. Not because of what we preach or say, but because of the righteous, honest lives that we live. People should see that. Maybe you don't have a job right now, and I understand that. You're praying for one, and I'm going to be praying right along with you. But I believe God will provide. He will provide, especially those who are searching and seeking to find work. But let me ask you this. Are you ready to go to work? Are your clothes clean? Is your house in order? You know, it matters. It matters. It's a heart condition. We get lazy really, really easily without even realizing it. It's like a, like self-denial. It's, it's, it's really... It's really not as much us as it is the enemy hard at work trying to bring us down through depression and anxiety. You wonder where those things come from? It's because you're not up. You're not moving. Getting out, getting some sunshine, cleaning up the yard, getting the chicken bones out of your car. You know, cleaning things up, getting ready for work. It's important. Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. The church should be the first place that people look for their next employee. Why? Because at the church you're going to find people who are dedicated in their faith, and they want to work hard not only for them but for God that they serve. We produce honest, hard-working people who show up on time believing they're working not only for them, but for the Lord. They should say, don't give me just one of them, I'll take ten. We know and understand the time in history in which we live. Some really difficult times. On the other side, some really exciting times. We can see the seasons changing. We can also see we're very close to the rapture of the church just by looking at our world news. This can't go on too much further. But this is no time to hide our heads in the sand and just wait. We need to be working hard, showing our Christian character in everything we do. People will say because they can see the signs of the times too. That's people who don't, aren't going to church. Maybe they believe in God, but you know, if you're an American, you're a Christian. That's what a lot of people think. But they can see the signs of the time too. They can see how seemingly fearless life we're looking at it so confidently into the future. In other words, they can see that we're not scared. We know that the rapture is coming, that our Lord is going to come and take us out of this. This opens the door for you to bring the kingdom of God close to them. It's not over yet. 
We need to have a job. And let's not stop doing it until Jesus comes for us. Let's continue to work. Let's continue to praise God. Let's continue to go to church. Let's continue to do the things that Christians do. Helping our neighbors. Helping out those who are less fortunate than we are. God wants us to be there. He wants us to be ready for the rapture when he comes. Why hasn't he come yet? Because there's not enough people saved. Jesus would, God would rather no one go to hell. So he's given us more time, more opportunity to reach the lost, to reach our children, to reach our neighbors, to reach the people that we love in our community. That's what we need to be doing in these days. We can look into the future and see that the United States is heading for some really difficult times. But you know what? We don't need to be afraid. We need to continue to trust God. We need to continue to serve Him. And we need to continue to minister to those who have less than we do. Be the miracle. Somebody is praying for a miracle today, and that miracle may very well be you. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Thank you for listening to this message I had to do on my back porch because for whatever reason, it didn't get recorded on Sunday. That's just another one of those things of Satan trying to get me upset. Not going to do it. I'll just come be with you on, on my porch on Monday morning. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to speak to people around the world. Father, I pray as they listen to this message that they hear the word of truth, that you are coming for your church. And Father, we need to be actively working, believing, and holding on to our faith for that coming. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you gave us Jesus Christ to wash away our sins. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I hope to see you guys soon. Come on out to the church.